All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the Cohort Cast, episode 31. As always, the Cohort Cast is brought to you by Next Gen Nutrition, HQ uh, at Erina. So thanks to those boys for looking after us as always. Uh, been a long time between podcasts, uh, mainly for the reason that I only want to do these things when they are of purpose or of meaning. Um, and, you know, these are just a passion project for myself. So, um, you know, try and wait for something that's worth it. Uh, and today is certainly that. Episode 31 is pretty special to myself. Um, I get to sit down with Savan Matassian from uh, CrossFit HQ or recently um, relieved of his duties at HQ. If you don't know who Savan is and you're a CrossFitter, um, you probably do know who he is, but you just don't know that you do. So he's behind all the media from 2006 so their their origins of CrossFit um, until recently. Uh, so any sort of if you're a part of the journal, if you're a coach, um, if you go to a gym and you've watched something on Netflix or YouTube or CrossFit HQ, most of that stuff comes from Savan. Um, huge huge story in here. A little bit of origin story of him, um, his family, and then into obviously the the three playing brothers, which is his most recent project with his three kids. Um, which has been a huge success with 11,000 followers currently um, on that on that uh, Instagram. So, yeah, if you haven't heard of him, please, please go on to CrossFit. Just type in Savan and see what comes up, and you'll be extremely humbled by the amount of uh, media, interviews, behind the scenes, all that stuff that he's produced. And uh, he's also a very funny, charismatic, articulate human. And hopefully that comes across in this podcast. I was extremely uh, humbled to have him on the podcast. Felt like I was fanboying the whole uh, hour and 10 minutes just sitting here with uh, one of the old heads of HQ. And and it was a true pleasure and honor to have him on. So big thanks to him. Sit back and enjoy episode 31 of the Cohort Cast with Savan. Oh, Savan. Hi. Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Maybe I need my earphones in. Hold on. That might be me. Hold on. Because normally I wear earphones. No worries. Uh, speaker, iMac Pro. How about now? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Yes. Good to see you. Can, Are you okay with this giant mic in my face? Well, I can't see you. I don't know why. I can, I can hear oh. you. Let me have a Oh, oh, oh. Here we go. How's that? Oh, Perfect. Perfect. Oh, Good mate, to see you, brother. Shaved. You've shaved. Oh, my I did. And I've been saving this iced coffee for when we started because this is like my nap time. So, like, I, I made a giant iced coffee so I wouldn't turn off in the middle of the interview. Mate, I'm very appreciative of it. You're, uh, you look so different without that beard. It looks like the early days. I want to give you a big old hug. Good to see you. <laughs> mate, thanks heaps for um, giving me your time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, I don't see the little record light. Shouldn't she be recording? Yeah, she's all good. I'm, I'm doing this through um, GarageBand on the back end. Oh, sweet. Okay. So I've just got another app running in the background just recording you. I, I mean, I can. Sweet. Uh, yeah, I can hit it if you like. 
Um, I always have this. Uh, I always have this paranoia that I'm not because I've been started doing these Zoom Zoom podcasts also, and I have this crazy paranoia that I'm not recording. And at the end, I'm like, Oh my god, was I recording? Was I recording? Even though I like triple checked. Well, now that you've said it, I'm going to hit record because <laughs> <laughs> you got a backup cop now, right? Why not? I did one with a guy in Perth, which is still eight hours from here, and he uh, we did two hours of podcast, and the whole thing deleted. So I don't want to have that oh. happen again. <sighs> Mate, let's get into it. So the I connection. Do you hear me okay? Yeah, is the connection good? Yeah, I can hear I hear you, you great. Perfect. And I have all the bars. Okay, good. Um, let's get into it so I don't take up too much of your time. Tell me this really quick. You're, you're the owner of Cohort CrossFit? I am. I am. In, in Australia? Yes, in Australia. Oh, okay, cool. So, uh, Chad, do, you, do you remember Chad McKay? Of course. <laughs> So, of course. So Chad, God, I thought he was going to win the games one year. I <laughs> thought he was going to win the games, and then he got injured. Um, so Chad, I was there that year, 2015, with Chad, and he uh, he was the first guy to sort of uh, ask me to open an affiliate. So I opened CrossFit Active under uh, with Chad and Luke Starr and those guys. So that's how I sort of got into the scene um, on my own. Cool. Do you still see Chad? I haven't seen him for quite some time, probably two years. Um, but I've heard from him in the last, yeah, six to 12 months, two young ones now. So, cool. and still extremely fit. I'm sure you can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to be a, a gentleman. Why. He was always a gentleman. Oh, the most humble, the most humble of all of them. Unbelievable. I'm just going to make sure my internet connection's good just as we get going. So if can you just make sure, cause it seems to be his video is paused. But the audio sounds fine. You, you look good to me. There is a slight delay, but I'm just thinking it's because you're on the other side of the planet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're completely paused, your face. Um, so I've just got oh. you with a big old smile, which I'm going to take you a want, screenshot. Hey, you. do you want me to – you know what I'll do? I'll, I, uh, do you want me to record on my side? I mean, yeah, sure you can. I've got the, I've okay. got the audio going anyway, so I'm getting you loud and clear, but the video is just poor. Okay, so okay. Right. All right, fine, fine, fine. Um, so firstly, I, I watched your last interview with Dave, and um, you said to him, the first way you sort of, the first thing you sort of mentioned to him was, you know, thanking him for his service and, and spending time between, you know, his, his deployment and organizing the games, um, which I thought was, was very noble of you and I wanted to extend that same kindness to you and say you know in those early years in the 2009s and 8s and 11s um, you know thanks for recording and, and documenting so much of what's become you know a global community and, and we're really appreciative of you putting in that time and effort so just wanted to say extend that that kindness to yourself and say thanks for that thank you um, thank you I wanted to start with your surname Yep. How do we pronounce that? Is that, is that my first name? No, your surname, so last, last name. name. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you're, if you, if you're, there's two ways to pronounce it. If you're not Armenian, you say Matosian. If you're Armenian, you say Matosian. Matosian. And so Matosian, if you're not Armenian, Matosian, if you are Armenian, or if you just want to get fancy, like if you just think like you're one of those fancy culturally sensitive people, you would say Sevan Matosian. And your name's meaning. So I tried to find Sevan and I got life giving sweet water. Is that correct? That's, 
Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds like me. Sevan is a lake in Armenia. You know, it's funny. I never knew that. I never knew that. I never heard that definition of it. Um, but it is a lake in Armenia, and that's what, that's what I'm named after. And I think traditionally it was a woman's name. Yes. And then now it's, now it's now it's both. It's, it's man, 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 and woman. That was fun. Um, so. Um, and I'm Armenian. Both my both my parents are Armenian. My mom's Armenian and my dad's Armenian. Okay, so where does that mean they're born? Like in terms of the actual nation state, like whereabouts you know, um, are they born? So basically, Armenia is south of Moscow. I don't know. I'm making this up. Two thousand miles. Um, it's it's below Georgia. It's between Georgia, Turkey, and Azerbaijan and Iran. It's a tiny little country. It's the um, Although I'm not a religious person, it's the first Christian nation on the planet. Before any other nation claimed a religion as the Armenian, uh, Christianity is their religion. So that's sort of their claim to fame. It's where Noah's Ark is supposedly, you know, uh, resides on the side of Mount Ararat. Um, and it's now most famously known because it's being attacked by Turkey and um, Azerbaijan, as we speak, and it's a tiny little country of three million people. And as you know, Turkey's a powerhouse, and uh, and, and you know, and the Armenians have been already um, they're they're susceptible because of where they are to uh, war, but also their history is of, of genocide. You know, they they were they were slaughtered by the Turks, and that's basically how my family ended up in the United States of America, coming through Ellis Island as immigrants. And, um, you know, my parents are, and my grandparents are the hardest working people on the planet, like most immigrants. And they gave me all of this. <laughs> and I got a little bit of that hardworking OCD in me also. And my, and my, and my wife's a Jew. So now I got these, what I call Jew, Jewmanians, half Jew, half Armenian, you know, it's pretty good. It's like, and now not only do they work hard, but they're smart. <laughs> they so save cool. some money. Cool. They work yeah. My wife's smart and I work hard. Ju- yeah. Jumanian. That's Jumanian. So and so that, I guess. I was, I was going to hashtag it on all my posts, but my wife's telling me that there's people out there who don't like Jews. I'm like, no, everyone loves a Jew. And she's like, no, there's not. So, <laughs> so I don't, I don't hashtag it. So whatever. Oh, mate. And so obviously like the influence of, of your wife plays a big part in the names of your, your, the three playing brothers. Cause I mean that they're all Hebrew names. Well, that's interesting you say that. So that wasn't the intent. So my, my very first boy's name is Avi. And so my wife was got pregnant. We never planned on having kids. After 15 years together, she got the bug. She said, I want one. We got one in her. And when he, she was like a few months pregnant, she goes, hey, what should we name this guy? And I'm like, I don't, whatever. And she's like, no, no, I need a name. I need a name. I'm, I'm like, she started perseverating on it, like getting totally fixated. And that's unlike her. But I really do like the awe sound in my name. Like when people say Sevon, I notice that I really rec- I'm really receptive to the awe, Sevon. When I hear Sevon, I just like hearing that. And so I told her, hey, I really like the awe sound. And she just goes, Avi. I was like, all right, Avi it is. She goes, we don't have to name him that, but let's just call him that until he comes out. And bam. And so a lot of people, a lot of people think that um, it's because of its uh, – of of her my my wife being Jewish, but it really is not. Um, they think it's short for Ibrahim or something, I guess. But it really yeah. is not. And then Ari, um, you, you know, it's kind of, that's kind of interesting because you know you do hear there's a lot of Jewish guys um, named uh, Ari, but we also so the Armenian side of my family calls them Adi because that's an Armenian name. We roll the R, 
and maybe the Jewish side of my family calls him Ari. So when he's in trouble or when I'm really feeling really affectionate to him, I roll the R, Ari, you know, or Ari, come here. <laughs> and then uh, Joseph's named after my dad, and my dad hates his name because my dad was named after Stalin. <laughs> I know. What the fuck? But anyway, um, um, so, but I still name my kid after my dad because my dad has been a profound, um, my dad was such, my dad is such a nice man. He was so loving and affectionate to me. And so are all my uncles and aunts. And like my whole family is so damn loving. Like I just remember as a kid, like I almost avoided them because they can't keep their hands off you, squeezing you and pinching you and like grabbing your ears and throwing you in the air. So I named him after my dad, Joseph. So that's it, Joseph. And I don't know where we got. I think I just wanted Ari. Originally, I wanted Ari, Avi, and like Anu, like three three names that start with A that were three letters. But my wife told me I was crazy, so we went with Joseph. It's just so it's, Ari, Avi, and Joseph. It's so surreal because when you you know if you look into if you kind of see from the outside, if you're an outsider, you watch the three playing brothers. You you know you've got your you've got your name, you've got the three boys, and then you're like, well, I'm not a religious man, but. You know, like then your three kids are like these perfectly named biblical names. Right, right. Who knows how this stuff happens? Amazing, amazing. Um, there's actually I did like just in terms of your surname. So I did did some research into you know, like your family and like five. So there's like 579 people with that last name. Um, and Matosian, really on the planet? Yeah. Oh, okay. And 90 uh, percent of those people now live in the United States. Interesting. And 10% in Cyprus. Um, Cyprus is where? Where? Where's Cyprus? Uh, Lebanon? Is Cyprus in Lebanon? Yeah, where's Cyprus? Lebanon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That makes sense. So, that, so wow, you, you done good. Um, so my family, when they, when they were in Turkey and the genocide was occurring, they were fleeing. Mm. And there were these... They reached the coast, and I want to say there were these French ships. I can't remember if they were French or English, but there were these ships there, and they took the Armenians on board, and they took them to Lebanon, and they basically they, they built these 10 by 10 um, cinder block huts, and they built a whole village of them, I don't know, several hundred of them, and they put the Armenians in there, and that's where my dad was born. So my dad was raised in a 10 by 10 cinder block hut, with nine brothers and sisters, his mom and his dad. No electricity, no running water, no toilet. Oh <laughs> I've been, and I've been back there. I've been back there a few times. Yeah, it's a crazy. So those are the origins. That's unbelievable. My mom was those actually the origin as well. Okay. Obviously not in a 10 by 10 cinder, but um, she was. Say that again. What about your mom? She was born in Lebanon as well. Oh, wow. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Not in a 10 by what 10. Is your, what is your mom? What, what ethnicity is your mom? So my mom was born in Lebanon, but she's Greek Cypriot. Um, so her father was born in, in Cyprus and her mother was born in Palestine. Um, and then same, similar to yourself, they came out here um, in, I think, maybe 73 or 75 into down to Australia in Sydney. Um, and have been here ever since. But, yeah. Similar, yeah, Israel for my grandmother and Cyprus for my grandfather. And Greek. Greek wow. Greek is our is our heritage, yeah. 
Yeah, more just persecuted people who probably fledged. They probably ended up in Lebanon, right? Because they were fleeing from some sort of persecution, I th- right? I think maybe it was to do with, um, I think my grandfather was in the Merchant Navy at like 15, um, trying, to flee his, okay. fr- trying to flee his family at that time. And then, uh, yeah, I think he met my grandmother in Palestine and then he was doing importing, exporting of textiles. Um, and that brought him to Australia as a visitor, I think, for a while. And he just brought up here and brought some as much, you know, less, much less war uh, and a lot more peace over here. So, uh, had three kids and brought them all out here. Four kids, sorry. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so the three. Let's let's move forward to the three playing brothers. That the the that started 2019, 31st of July, around roughly, roughly for being rough. Okay. What's the I'll take your word for it. <laughs> What's the process behind this? I mean, it's just let me start by saying it's unusual because people are very attracted to this Instagram. There's 11,500 followers um, watching these three little kids just do what I consider physical literacy, things that you and I probably thought was normal, uh, fun times. Um, so I have sort of like a, a yin and yang approach of like, well, we're putting these kids who are doing very, very normal things up and it's being very attractive and, you know, very interested and a lot of clicks, a lot of likes. But then on the other side, we have someone like yourself who's very protective of their family brand, very protective of your, of your family, but you're putting them on this platform to be viewed daily. Um, and I just wanted to get your idea of how all this is, is, has come about and, and the process behind getting it up and running. So someone texted me the other day, a friend of mine texted me the other day, very close friend, and he said, hey, I just want you to know you're no savant. <laughs> and I go, I, I go, oh, I know. I know I'm no savant. I'm more Forrest Gump um, than, than Albert Einstein or Darwin. And the thing is, is that I really am a, um, I really just put my head down and work. And I've done that my entire life. I was um, living in a motorhome, um, and I was living in a motorhome, and I, uh, I, I just finished producing a show for ESPN. I moved back into my motorhome. I was living on the beach in Santa Barbara with a friend, and we found CrossFit. This is in 2006. And I literally, we wrote an email to Lauren and Greg Glassman and said, hey, <clears throat> um, We'll make video. I'll make video. I wrote a letter to them because I made videos. I said, I'll make videos for you because your site doesn't have a lot of videos. And they wrote back, great. Can you give us a budget? So I gave them a budget. This is in 2006 of like $450,000 to make all these videos for them, right? And they wrote back and said, well, how about we just give you a free seminar? <laughs> so I went to the <laughs> oh, seminar great. and I couldn't believe what happened to me. I took this L1, they gave it to me for free. And what did I do in return? I made videos for them for free for a year. I just, I went everywhere CrossFit was. I moved back. I lived with my mom. I lived in my motor home and I just started pouring out video content. Then from 2007 to 2009, they hired me for a very nominal fee. I was, I think the sixth or seventh employee there, maybe eighth. Um, uh, I think the only people who are still there who were hired at that time who are still there at CrossFit now are Dave and Nicole. Um, and is Nicole um, back? Dave was deployed. Sorry. Is Nicole back there? Nicole is back there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Dave and Nicole are the only two people who work there now who work there when I worked there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
Dave was deployed um, when I first got hired. Um, but so, so basically from 2007 to 2009, I just put my head down with no vision and I just started producing content for CrossFit. And I basically submitted, I think I could conservatively say I submitted a video every single day for, or every other day for three years. I know there was a year where I submitted a video every single day. I know that there's no three people in the history of CrossFit who've submitted even half as much content as I've submitted to the journal as core content or games content. There's just nobody. I, you know, and that's just, and, uh, 15 years later, I pick my head up and I no longer work for CrossFit. I was laid off, uh, a week, uh, October 1st was my, um, last day. And so now I pick my head up and I'm like, wow, you know, that's just kind of the Labrador in me. I had put my head down and just grinded for 15 years and, um, you know, Three of the all-time top uh, grossing documentaries on iTunes are were produced by me. The first CrossFit documentary, more L1 content. I ended up leading the media team with 70 people. So I don't even really know. My intention was just to, because to, I did CrossFit and I wanted to make videos and I lived in my motorhome. And then 15 years later, I'm running the media department. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I operate my life. It does scare my mom a little bit. Um, you know, she wanted me to get a job at Starbucks so I could get health insurance (laughs) (laughs) that, um, so to answer your question, I don't know what the story is with the three plane brothers. I know that I have, um, I know that I did not want kids and I did not want to be married. And my, and my girlfriend of 15 years said she wanted a kid. So we got pregnant and then wham, I've never, I've never been like, like, I didn't think I could love my girlfriend more. Now she's my wife and I, and I love these kids and I just can't believe what's happened to my life. I'm just like totally immersed. Right. And, and I really, 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 really like social media. I, um, and I don't think I use it a lot like other people do. Other people use it. I think other people like scroll through it and like, like look through it and stuff. Like, so I have a Facebook account, but I've never been to Facebook. So, or maybe like once, you know what I mean? I only have a Facebook account so that my Instagram posts can go there. And like my Instagram, I just use it as a publishing platform. Mm. I can't. So let me tell you one other piece. In 2002, I was homeless and I, and I, and I worked at a home for disabled adults and I was basically, I knew how to be homeless. And I, so I could, at $7 an hour, I could save every single penny I made. And that's what I did. And it was in Santa Barbara, California, beautiful weather, like, like pick the best spot in Australia. And it's like that. And, um, so like Oprah lives there. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so um, it's a great place to be homeless. And I worked in a home for disabled adults and I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, um, saving money. And then all of a sudden I just got this wild idea to buy a video camera. And then from this, I want to say this is 2000 maybe. And then I heard Apple was going to come out with this computer and editing software all in one. And this editing software was going to be called Final Cut Pro. Well, I I hadn't used a computer in in years. And so I bought the computer, I bought the software, and I bought this like truck with a camper shell on it so that I could go in there and plug the computer into the cigarette lighter and learn how to edit my footage, and um, it took me two weeks just to load the 10 DVDs into the computer. And once I got it up and running, I started just editing. From that day, 
to today, a single day has not gone by in my life where I have not filmed, taken pictures or edited. Like I'm just like, I'm obsessed, right? And it's just what I do. Did you learn this? Like, so you know, do, you have that's, do you have a degree or did you go to school or like, how did you? No, no. I, I went to film school, but I only went to film school because I dropped out of, I was a communicate. I was a communication major when I went to college Then I was a black studies major. And then I was a um, film major. And the only reason why I became a film major is because the prerequisites for being a, a statistics major, oh, was it statistics or communication, a communications major and a black studies major lined up nicely with film. I had no interest in film. And when my seven years of undergrad were over, I had no intention of going into film. It wasn't until two years later that for some reason I bought a video camera. I have no idea why. But once I got that video camera in my hand, I couldn't put it down. And so then, like, like I said, I was um, started just – I would just go into, like, a local hair salon and be like, hey, do you want me to make a commercial for you for TV? And they'd be like, yeah, how much? I'd be like, free. I'm just going to make it for you. And that's just how I've run my life. So the same thing is with the three plain brothers. I just kind of got obsessed with my kids and I realized, wow, kids can do so much. They are my personal, they are now, these three kids are my personal experiment. They are my Sistine Chapel. They are my greatest opportunity in life. And so I'm going to do everything in my power to, um, to to give them life last lifelong lasting gifts dancing fighting singing math language you know and and then my mom told me when they turned 13 they'll tell me to go fuck myself and i said how do you know that and she said cuz i had i had a son <laughs> <laughs> so so now i know i'm like okay i have till 13 and um and I'm just having a blast doing it, right? And so if at the same time, I also don't have an issue, um, expo- I also don't have an issue exploiting them. Like I don't have an issue, like, um, I don't have an issue using them to teach the world what I'm doing. Mm. I feel like the, that my grand experiment can be shared. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's consequences that come with that that I'm completely unaware of, but it's not how I've operated my life. I'm a Labrador. I just put my nose down and just and just grind. And you love so, having fun. You're enjoying every day. My life is crazy. It's like I, I, I came out with this. Someone said, how are you? And I go, I feel bad because I'm living a dream in someone else's nightmare. <laughs> like this, this world is like just, just – it's just full of people who don't want to take personal responsibility. Like it's right there in front of you, happiness. And they don't want to make the, I don't know if they don't want to, that, that, that's a little presumptuous in me. They're not ready to, to flip the switch, but I see it all around me and it's, it doesn't have to be that way for them. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, there's this Taoist saying, stop thinking and all your problems go away. So maybe me, I'm just lucky because I'm dumb. You know what I mean? I'm 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 Forrest Gump. You know, and I trust and I trust in the flow and I trust in the process and I'm obsessed with creating. I have to create. So, so. how can uh... that was a really long-winded answer. I got a lot in there. I'm really trying to like make this exciting, by the way, and give you tons of information because like I have this is only my second podcast I've ever done, 
I actually did one with, with Darren, who's a dear friend of mine. You know, um, Pitt Malone's husband? Yeah. Darren you guys call him Darren, Darren in your country. Yeah. Um, but I asked him afterwards, like, please don't put that podcast on. This was like three years ago. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I think I'm just such a horrible guest. He actually, my first ever CrossFit comp um, in Newcastle in Australia, he was the he was running that comp in 2009 that I went to. It's a great, amazing experience. He's been a great friend. Um, and, and I would even say sort of like inspirational mentor from a distance. He'll send me like ideas and advice and inspiration. He's been, he's been um, like an, another powerful tool of, of social media. Um, he, he's reached out to me and said some really nice things and like giving me ideas. And that's another thing. I'm really open to other people giving me ideas. So, so I, I just roll. Cause I don't know how to do any of these things. I don't know how to skateboard. I don't know how to play tennis. I was the kid in high school who got picked after the girls got picked, you know, <laughs> like when you would pick teams, all the guys would get picked and then some of the girls and then there'd be me. I mean, I was okay with it. I wasn't, I didn't feel, I wasn't one of those kids that felt bad about it, but like I knew. I knew. So, I, was, so. I guess that's what, – what sports did you play, you know, growing up? What, what got you into, into this side of things? Because obviously you found CrossFit, so you must have had some sort of physical literacy to, to jump into that. I, you know what the most profound – so the, this was the thing. I took CrossFit, and when I took, when I took my oh, – so I was just working out, in the, so I just played Frisbee. So, back, so in my 20s, somewhere in my 20s, I can't remember where, I started playing Frisbee and ping pong. And I was like, holy shit, I'm really fucking good at Frisbee. I wasn't that good at ping pong, but I was like, I was like, like I could throw a Frisbee a hundred yards from an end zone to an end zone. And like big giant men couldn't do that. And I was like, well, this is amazing. (laughs) So I started, I just started playing a ton of Frisbee, right? Five, six hours a day, Frisbee, Frisbee, Frisbee. Um, And then I started going to the, to the rec center at the, um, at the college at the at UC Santa Barbara. And I would just try to stay in shape there. And one of my friends taught me how to do a pull up, you know, cause in high school I could only do the flex arm hang that girls could, the girls do, you know, where you go like this. I mean, not girls now I'm talking girls back then. Now yeah, girls yeah. do a thousand pull ups, but <laughs> so I would have to do that for the presidential test in the United States where you have to just get your chin over and count. It would be like all the girls and me and the boys would be doing pull ups. And so, um, this friend of mine told me, he said, Hey, a pull up is not a pull up. And he grabbed me. He's all grabbed this bar, or I think it was a tree branch, and he squeezed the back of my back, my back and my lats. He goes, flex those muscles. And I kind of yelped and squeezed them, and I came up. So then I became obsessed with pull-ups too. Once I could do one, like one time that we had a strict pull-up contest at uh, HQ, and I did. I just walked in the gym cold, you know, and they were in the middle of it, and I entered and I tied. I did twenty-four. <laughs> You're like so. Like I became obsessed with frisbee and pull-ups. So then when I took my L1, I remember there was, um, I think we did Helen and they're like, okay, run as fast as you can. And I was 34 years old and I'm like, holy shit, I cannot remember the last time I ran as fast as I could. Right. Isn't that bizarre? So good. Yeah, so good. And then I was inspired. I was like, holy shit, how many people, I bet you 50% of America can't remember the last time they ran as hard as they could. More. I bet you it's 90, 80%. 90%. Yeah. 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 And so once I, I mean, it was that simple to me. I'm just like, holy crap, I have to do this. I have to run as fast as I can regularly. What a stupid thing not to do. It's like when we tell people to turn upside down in the gym and we ask them the last time they turned upside down and they're just like, I can't, like, especially males. Cause we don't, in Australia, we don't, you know, gymnastics isn't a thing. So they're like, I didn't turn upside down. Like I've never been upside down. <laughs> 
crazy, right? And those of us who do CrossFit, it's an everyday thing. It's, yeah, it's normal. We're doing the warm-up. Do can you kick up? So, like, practice yeah. flicking up, like, it's normal. Yeah. People are afraid to go upside down like they're afraid of snakes. <laughs> like, they panic, right? Box jumps is the same. Ah, no! Box jumps. Yeah. First time, you you know, you get mummy or a dad and they've, they've never jumped before. You get them to go up. They look at the box. They do this, this weird, like, like they've seen a spider. It's sort of rock in, then rock back out, then rock back in. It, so it's funny you say that. So there's there's one of the things that fast now fascinates me about three playing brothers. So my kids do a lot of jumping. So basically the whole thing started organically. By that I mean I had the kid and I when I was there was this time in my life in CrossFit where I spent five hours a day on the phone in meetings. So what I would do is is I would just take my baby out and walk him around in the stroller when he was asleep. And when he would wake up, I would let him walk on the sidewalk. And we would do that for hours. And I would swing by a beer garden and grab a beer, et cetera. So in that time somewhere, I realized, oh, he wants to just go. Uh, he just wants to challenge himself all day long. He wants to, like, try to jump. So he spends three months, like, trying to get a half a centimeter off the ground, right? He spends um, – he loves going down steep driveways and up steep driveways. This is all shit that scares this – this is all stuff that scares the shit out of parents. Um so I, I, I just let him do all of that, and then I noticed his jump started getting bigger and bigger, and I also noticed that um, people were impressed by it. Like, you know, we would be somewhere, and he would jump from a second stair or a third stair, and he would, get, he would get rewards from people like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And so that was that. And we had rings because I was so into pull-ups and muscle-ups. I mean, I was obsessed with muscle-ups for a while, for like 10 years. And um, so I had rings just hanging in my living room. It had to be a fixture. And so that's another thing. My kids, I cannot emphasize enough, my kids are always hanging from rings. And because of that, their hands and their core are so strong. What it takes to hang from rings 30 or 40 minutes a day is crazy core strength. Because your feet, you know, as soon as you grab the rings, your feet come in front of your stomach, right? Yeah. And my kids are like bomb proof in that regard <laughs> and their, their awareness. I mean, it's just nuts. Even the jujitsu teacher, obviously jujitsu teacher the other day is like, dude, your kid had man hands. I'm like, yeah, I know. He just hangs around like this. You know, it's like <laughs> they watch you know, on Friday nights when it's movie night, they, they watch the movie hanging. I'm like, all right. So, so I don't know what the, to go back to your question. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, but I've just put my head down. I enjoy, um, um, the metric that I like the most is not likes or um, follows or any of that. The met- I really like comments. I'm kind of like a comment whore. Like I'd like to see people's input. And um, so I like it because it's the publishing platform and I can publish and I'm a creator and I like comments. I like the interaction with like people saying, oh, my God, where would you get those vests or where can I get this or why do you do this or, hey, you shouldn't let your kids do this. And so I, I'm just I'm, – I like it. Should have called it the three, I'm into it. The three playing Jews. Your wife would love that. Yes. Yes. Well, okay. So it's funny you say that. I wanted to. Call, I wanted their symbol to be the three wise men, but be little oh my boys. God. But my my wife was like, ah, oh, people, and you know they're like that. You know, like um, that. Um, um, I want to say. I want to say. I get. You got to be so careful. You don't offend anyone. But. Um, 
There's going to be eight there are certain races and ethnicities and minorities and whatever. There's groups of people whose parents raise them and warn them, hey, life is going to like no one warned me in my family. Hey, life's going to be hard for you. You're five foot five and a big nose and getting girls is going to be hard. No one told me that. I had to learn that on my own. But there are some people whose parents will say, hey, because you're X, Y and Z, life is going to be really hard on you and you're going to have to work twice as hard as other people. And my or people are going to hate you because of this, this, and this. My wife was raised in that kind of family. You know, she was told that by her father, Hey, people are, might hate on you cause you're a Jew. And so she has a little bit of that. Part- and I don't, whatever I'm like, that's her, whatever she's dealt with. So I respect that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I try to be sensitive and not, but I'm really proud that I have these three Ashkenazi half Jew, half Armenian boys. I, I think it's like, I mean, the same way I would be proud if I, you know what I mean? You get like a, the, the best motorcycle that Kawasaki makes. You're just proud. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I got a good, I mean, they're going to be little, but they're, but I like little, you know, it's worked out for me. Right. They're smart and they're going to be fast. There's no interest in making them professional athletes. Everyone thinks I'm going after a professional athlete. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, like I said before, bomb proof. I just want them to be, say that again. They're bomb proof and they're happy. Yeah. I want them to be good mates. Not mates like the way you use the word mates, but the way we use the word mates in my country. We use it way better than you guys do. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds better when you say it, but we use it better. Yeah, I want them to be good mates. I want them to be good husbands. I want them to be good fathers. That's what I'm trying to do. Strong, resilient, intelligent, thoughtful, loving. And, you know, like in in terms of time and effort, it's such a blessing that you know, you have this time now, you know, instead of spending seven hours on the phone for HQ, you can spend time with them, you know, producing content that, you know, not that it's any different because like you said, you'd be producing content anyway, it wouldn't matter what you're doing, but it's nice that for you, you feel like, Oh, I don't know. I feel bad feeling this good every day. You know, my friends are out slogging themselves to the, to the grindstone and I'm, I'm doing it, but I'm enjoying it. You know, I, I know that feeling and a lot of CrossFit owners who, who love what they do and, and love getting out of bed know, know that feeling. So it's kind of been a blessing for you to, to have this time and the three playing brothers being the focus, I think, even just from a parent perspective. A lot of male, you know, father figures don't get to spend that much time with their kids because they're out, you know, working 75 hours, 80 hours a week trying to make it work. Paul, are you trying to console me because I was fired two weeks ago? Is that your way of well <laughs> consoling me? Hey, at least you got your sons. <laughs> I, did, I did hear Dave ask if you're available for behind the scenes. So, Oh, my God. I, they so need to bring me back for behind the scenes. <laughs> so I'll tell you about the behind the scenes. When we did the behind the scenes, um, first of all, I thought I was going to do that till I was 80. I seriously thought like I thought eventually that someone would be like, Hey man, he's too, he has no boundaries. He's a fucking creepy dude. Like I thought eventually, but I thought it would be like when I was 80, I didn't think it was going to be two years ago or a year ago. But, um, but I been, and there is nothing creepy about me. People just don't like real. Um, I'm actually a gentleman. Um, but I thought I was going to do that forever. When we basically, when we started do, I asked if I could film the 2007 games. They said no, but every games after that, from 2008 to 2017, I filmed. 
And then, and those behind the scenes were our biggest needle mover at CrossFit. Now, what do I mean by that? Not most views, but our YouTube channel would explode with minutes watched and journal subscriptions would skyrocket. And the cool thing about the journal is 99% of everything in there was free, but we would put things in there that did cost money and then people would purchase the journal and it was awesome because what would that do that would give us um, validation those of us work who worked there for our work it wasn't an exorbitant price and actually we always had a plan on giving the journal free to anyone who took their l1 and all affiliates but technically we couldn't ever work it but anyway in 2018 and can 19 i, I wasn't I allowed to do the behind the scenes i'm sorry can i pause you because a lot of people who don't um who aren't in CrossFit at the at the coaches or L1 level probably don't know what the journal is too much. Um, obviously, that, that was my biggest learning tool as a young coach when I was sort of 20 to 21. I spent hours on that thing a day. So just give people a quick little insight into what the journal is. The CrossFit journal is CrossFit. The CrossFit journal is 10,000 pieces of content of which Greg Glassman single-handedly did all the work for in the first couple years. He wrote all of the articles for the CrossFit Journal. It's where the canon is. The CrossFit Journal, for those of you who who don't know, some of you just do CrossFit and, and you think it's a miracle because of just what how great it's been in your life. But like if you go into the early articles of what Greg wrote, you'll see that he defined fitness and some people don't realize how profound and important that is, but that's hugely profound and hugely important more than I can, that I'm probably going to take the time to explain here, but he defined fitness and that was caused a revolution for people who are, how old are you, Paul? 32. Okay. So did you know the other fitness that was here before CrossFit? Yeah, I worked in, uh, so, well, I started, um, in the industry, in 2009 when CrossFit in Australia had just sort of started. So the gym that I worked in, the, the, the fitness industry that I worked in was pre-CrossFit. Okay. So a lot of people don't know this because it's been around so long now, but there was a time, God, this is so weird to talk like this, but um, there was a time when cameras used film and there was a time when there was no CrossFit and working out was so different. So, the CrossFit Journal basically, so then basically when I came on board till the time I left, that is where everything I created and my colleagues created, that's where we put it. And there were all sorts of different iterations and there was all sorts of struggle um, over what would go in there. Greg always wanted to keep it, for lack of a better word, smarter than I wanted to keep it. Yes, I wanted it to be everything CrossFit. I wanted it to be the fun for Danny Broflex, and I also wanted it to be um, cancer as a metabolic disease. You know, like I wanted it to be everything. So, and, and there was a lot of tug and war and play there over the years. Um, How do you feel about it now? Do you think he, he was pushing the right, it, the right angle with it? Well, it's hidden. That's what happened. So, so in 2018, they fired the entire media team. They brought in a CEO. And they fired the entire media team, and that was a, um, in my opinion, a colossal disaster um, because it would. So let me let me go back. Not only did the entire media team get fired, but the media team was at its peak. It was humming. 
We had a massive Facebook deal on the horizon. We had a CBS deal on the horizon. The podcast was the first. We, we started a podcast five years later than we should have, and it had already climbed to the top 50 in the health space. We had the wad tips. Doing.com had become cool again. Um, we had the um, – um, we, we, uh, Greg had this brilliant fucking vision and he had a lot of brilliant vision. He could really, really see the future. And he had this idea that CrossFit, he always believed in forging elite fitness and the base of CrossFit is, is a lot of people know, but some people don't know is the military. It's first responders. We all did CrossFit in the early years because we knew that anyone whose life depended on their fitness did CrossFit. So if you, if your job, if your fitness was the matter of life and death, you did CrossFit. That's really like, people need to understand that. That's how fucking badass it was. Like if you were a firefighter in the military, a police officer, you might not even, you might even hate CrossFit, but you still did it. Because you knew that that was what was going to get you to jump over a fence and get away from whatever danger or chase down whatever danger. It's what everyone did who gave a fuck about their life. So when we could do CrossFit and it became available to us, when Greg was – when it became more popular, like, oh, my God, I can do the same thing Navy SEALs can do, but I don't have to get shot at. So that's where the brand value was, right? And how do we know this, that they were all doing it? Because we could go to the Google searches and we could see that during the Iraq war, during the war in Afghanistan, we could see that the the largest searches in the entire world, bigger than the UK, Australia, United States, were coming out of these military bases. It was all the soldiers were doing them, like some crazy, I forget the numbers, but they were massive, right, for searches. So did I stutter? Did I freeze? (laughs) My brain froze. I forget where I was going with this. So essentially you're getting to – the journal, 2018, the, oh. the media team getting sacked. You went back to okay. the house. Okay, so sorry, oh. so sorry. So so then the journal, so, 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 so yeah, yeah, so that's what I was going to say about what Greg said. So then around 2016 or seven. so it was Forging Elite Fitness, Forging Elite Fitness. It was for these premier, it was where, where I used to call it, it's where professional athletes go to die, and it's where first responders flourish, right? You're a soccer player, you're in your 10th year, you end up doing CrossFit because you need that intensity or you want to try to get an extra year out of your career. So then... Um, all of a sudden, Greg flipped the script on us, and he said, hey, I want, this, I want us to start pushing the L1 and remind people that it's actually the operating manual for the human genome. And I had heard him say that all these years, but it was just like a line or two at every L1. And he's like, and I want people to know it's the cure for chronic disease. And, we, and, and no one was, and, you know, um, I don't want to name names, but the executive team and let's say the top 50 employees at CrossFit all, CrossFit all pushed back against Greg. No, no, no. We don't want to damage the brand, Forging Elite Fitness. And he kept pushing for like a year from like 2016, 17. Hey, I want to start seeing um, heavier people on the fat end, uh, on the fat end. I want to see heavier people on the front end. I want to start seeing some fat people on the front end, right? I want to start seeing some obese people on our, on our YouTube page, on our, on our Facebook page. And, and we were like, hey, we're going to damage the brand. It's accessible to those people, but let's keep it as the pinnacle, as the poster children. Well, finally, he put his foot down in 2017. I think he yelled at me in a meeting. There were like 30 people in there. He goes, I want to see all of that change right now. I literally got out of the meeting, walked into Leif Edmondson's office, and we started putting pictures of um, obese people on the front end. We launched the podcast and did 100 episodes. I would say half of them were about obesity. 
I personally took his order to heart, and we found it fascinating. We saw L1 sales skyrocket as we rebranded the L1 for what it truly was. It was the operating manual for the human genome. Even if you are 100 pounds overweight, if you want to be inoculated from chronic disease, if you want to be a responsible human being and find your way back to what you're supposed to be, you need to take the L1. If you want to be a good parent, you need to take the L1. The same way you need to be a good, if you want to be a good parent, you need to teach your kids how to swim. Leading cause of death for kids under the age of five is drowning in California. I think maybe in the United States. So why wouldn't you take your L1 and learn how to feed your kid, learn about how suffering causes adaptation, and learn how to move correctly? So, right? So, I mean, then you see how I raised my kids. So, so, so that was brilliant on Greg's part, and we did that for a year. The entire fucking media machine, even the games, everything. I don't know if you remember, but the region, the the open, Sam Briggs would be doing doing whatever it was, nineteen point one or eighteen point one, next to a guy who cured himself of type two diabetes, and we had this massive movement going that way. And then all of a sudden, in two thousand. 18, my years could be wrong. He brought in a new CEO. They fucking destroyed the entire front end, my words, my dramatic words. They changed the entire front end, and they got rid of the journal. They hid the journal. They turned off the journal. It was a revenue-generating thing where still where people could pay, but still 99% was free, and they just turned it off. Why? And they hid it. Uh Oh, that is a, whew, that's a good question. In the simplest term, and what I feel most comfortable saying is because Greg thought, Greg believed that the, that we needed to get even further ahead in the health space, right? That it wasn't enough just to be like, it wasn't enough what we were doing. We needed, and this is my interpretation, but it was more like, hey, we need to even be smarter than what we're doing. We need to do, we need to. Um, so did he feel that it was bit like he didn't? Did he he didn't like the narrative we were. He didn't like the narrative we were spinning. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. Sorry, did he feel like the journal was maybe you know when you first make your first movie and now you go back and you look at that and you and I can look at stuff that we've produced and go well I understand it was in its infancy so it's a little bit less classy a little bit less glossy the the graphics aren't as good and he thought maybe that if people had a, a, a look at that that it would be less professional less. No, no, no. He didn't care about that. Greg was all about, if I understand what you're saying, he was all about being authentic. I think it literally was that he thought we had dumbed down the genius of CrossFit, which maybe we had, right? But, um, but we, I, I still believe, I can speak for myself, I should. He thought maybe that, because I was running the media department at that time, that I had dumbed down his genius. And, and there's probably true. But I think I had made it more accessible and I had followed his orders to the T. And I think all the metrics showed that. Um, but but we can both be right. Like Greg's probably right too. I probably dumbed it down, you know. But I also think that more I made it more accessible under my leadership than um, ever before. Mm. And um, I was getting a lot of you, you know. I only want to hear what I want to hear. I was getting a ton of positive. The, the podcast, the podcast was a four point five star, where Riches and Julie Fouché's were a five star. But the reason why it was a five star is because it was the truth. And I'm not saying that theirs wasn't the truth, but I'm saying because we, we, we went at it, man. Yeah, we, well, we went at it. And, uh, sorry, one of your, we, quite, some like, people got it. Some people got offended. Some people get offended. Some people get offended. But that's unfortunately, there's a difference. Like what you do as a producer, what you do as a, as a storyteller. And 
um, your role is different to that of the athletes, and and that's why you're we need you need those voices, you need those questions. You know, in 2012, Dave asked you um, on a video I watched about you know why you're doing the media and and why you're intrigued by it. And you said, I love getting close enough to people that I can ask questions that they don't want to answer. That was what you said. That was, that's 10 years ago. And so you're saying, you know, right now it's 2020. We're in a pandemic. It's crazy. Life's crazy. The media team has been sacked. The world's changed. CrossFit's gone through a massive yin and yang in just four months. And you're still, you're still preaching that same Exact same. We're in a chron- we're we're in a chronic disease epidemic. <laughs> That's, That's another crazy thing. Mm. I, I, I I don't I don't work for Greg anymore. So 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 no one get this like no one get this weird and like I don't you know like um but he's been saying for twenty fucking years stop eating sugar maybe longer. That's only I mean that's how long I've been hearing it. Fifteen years. But I can go back and see for sure he's been saying 20 years, stop eating sugar, something's going to get you. And he's pointed to a thousand diseases that are caused by sugar that people tell you are caused by other shit. People are telling you that it's salt or that it's, you know, that you exercise too much or not enough. And he's been saying it's sugar. And now we are in a what people call a pandemic, a, vir- a viral pandemic. But uh, how come only one CrossFitter has died in 15,000 gyms and he was overweight? How come? It's the truth. Just said. Just it's the it's the question. Because we 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 surround ourselves in a group where there's peer pressure to take care of yourself. And those of us, you smoke less, we drink less. We're not perfect. We smoke less, we drink less, we eat less refined carbohydrates. And even those of us who who break every protocol, there's still one hour a day where we follow it. Mm. Maybe that's enough. But. Yeah. Um, you know, cause my, I told my, my mom actually course corrected me. She goes, we don't all not eat sugar. She's like, there's this crossfitter and that crossfitter and there's cross, you know, we all know that probably, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I smoked cigarettes when I did CrossFit and, and, I, and you know, I went to the L one the other day and filmed and it was amazing. I was ecstatic, but half the people in the L one who were taking the L one were 20 to 50 pounds overweight. Great. I know we come in all shapes. That's awesome. Fuck. Yeah. That's who that L one is for. And, um, that means it's working, right? But those people are still in the process of getting inoculated. We all are. And we all just take those incremental steps to get healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier. Yeah, I think, you know. And the games are just, um, the games are to um, CrossFit what fucking the Daytona 500 is to Nissan or whoever, Ferrari or whoever the hell enters that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, an, it's awesome. But it's like the rest of us drive cars for a living. Yeah, look, so, I don't think, you know, I'm a big believer. We probably have – look, one of the reasons I was really excited about this is because, one, we've both been in this and survived and still happy to – you have a CrossFit shirt on. I have a CrossFit shirt on. We have an unaffiliated to save $5,000. You know, we, we we obviously feel – Say that again? You you unaffiliated to I save $5,000? I said, I said we don't unaffiliate to save $5,000. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, you know, like we obviously believe in a deeper understanding of CrossFit than the most of the people who are probably listening to this podcast, which is why I was so excited to have you on. Um, you know, they I, don't need to. Believe, I don't mean to say that something's wrong with them if they don't believe that, though. Practicing it is more than enough. Like half the stuff I'm saying to you right now, I've never heard myself say before, and I can't believe I'm saying it. But practicing it is enough. 
you don't even have to know this shit to me no, and you. Yeah, I totally, right? Right? I totally agree. Totally agree. All I'm saying is that the, you need, you, you know, for each, you know, each ship needs a captain and the captain needs to have a deep understanding of that ship. And yes, sir. And, yes, sir. And so for us to have these conversations and for people to hear the leaders, be passionate, be committed, be devoted to their craft means that they're on the right ship because we don't need them to have this because the guys like you and I are supposed to have it. And, and I, yes. And like you with the games, there's nothing wrong with showing the world how talented, how, how much pain a human being can endure for absolutely no other reason. Like the, this is the only sport on earth where the training is exactly the same as the competition. There's no other sport on earth where the S&C matches the gameplay. So there is no negative, like a lot of people, you know, like sort of like Greg's movement to like crush, not crush, but soften the game so that we feel more accessible to the, to the population. Like you said, is like, you know, saying that Nis- because Nissan's in the F1s or whatever, that we shouldn't be able to drive them on the street. So I think it's important that that message is delivered. By, by the way, there, I do have a, a contention there. His his vision of making it from forging elite fitness and then bringing in the fact that it's the operating system for the human genome, brilliant. The fact of softening the games, I don't agree with at all. I think we could have had both 100%. What, um, I, I, I think it's a tragedy we got rid of the Facebook deal. I think it's a tragedy we got rid of the games team. I think it's a tragedy that um, Heber and Marsden don't make the movies under the CrossFit flag those years. I think it's a tragedy we don't do Road to the Games. I think, I think we could have done both. I don't think the, I don't think the games needed to be... Um, softened in order to make the other voice louder i think we just needed to piggyback because let's face it man it doesn't matter it, everyone wants to be rich froning everyone wants to be matt fraser everyone wants to be tia they're brilliant characters man they are awesome and so it doesn't matter if you're and, and not only that there's the brand value there my mom is 75 she's gonna be 76 in december and she wears a crossfit shirt for the same reason i wear a crossfit shirt i do crossfit no one would wear a crossfit shirt who doesn't do crossfit you better know your fucking fran time it's like a ufc shirt i really want to wear one but I, I no one punches me in the face so i'm not wearing one but i'm a huge fan you know what i mean that was um, and um it's funny you mentioned that because savannah sort of the brand is huge it needs to be badass if you were to parallel it and say Dana White says, I'm going to soften the UFC so that we have more participation from the general public in martial arts sounds ridiculous. You know, there's these rules in the UFC, like no biting or no eye gouging or like, and I get it, but part of me is bummed that they have them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I get it. Or you're not supposed to kick the guy. I forget, like if he has if he has his hand down, you can't kick him in the face. Or like, I get it. I, I mean, you, you, I, I get it. There has to be rules, but but it does take away from the fact that it's fighting, <laughs> right? It does. I mean, I mean, like, so, oh um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't want them to soften it any more than they already have. Mm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Dana White fan, by the way. Huge. Yeah, all I'm saying is, in terms of the brand, like how we've, you know, how Greg kind of wanted to soften that to increase the, the the participation of the general public to, 
you know, it, that wouldn't work if you did it for UFC. If you took the UFC off TV, oh, if you took right. Joe Rogan away from podcasting, took him all, do you think BJJ would be as successful? And as, do you think, you know, like our brains would be open to be like, oh, I'm going to take my kids to BJJ. That's, you know, over here in Australia, that's, that's not something that we used to think of. Martial arts is a quite a niche market. You know, you throw UFC on TV, you throw Joe Rogan speaking about it, you put up John Bone Jones on, on TV or Conor McGregor. So to say that, oh, if we dumb down the elite part of CrossFit, people will think it's more accessible to them. It seems ridiculous to me. Horrible. You know, Horrible. that's, that's right. kind of, that's kind of right. the parallel I was trying to, is trying to pull between those two things. Right. Sorry. I heard you too. I should have been more receptive. I, I understand what you're saying. You I have never been a believer in pulling any, <laughs> I've never been a believer of pulling anyone down from the top to make yourself better. I don't think the world looks like that. Hmm. Um, I don't, and, and, and that goes back to the raising kids also the same way. The bar has to be set high. When you don't set the bar high, you are doing one thing. You are disrespecting. Do not disrespect your children. Set this. the bar high. Oh, my, I love this. Um, it's been an hour already. We've been talking for one hour. I got a little coffee left. You do what you you, you want to do. Good man. I've got I've got nowhere to go. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted you to give me some highlights, some love of your favorite times in the sport. Uh, I have so you know, obviously being in it so long and watching watching the games, and I actually have your video. I have the fittest, the very first one on, on DVD. Like I've bought the DVD, um, every second counts and I have that at home, but I wanted you to give us some highlights. How has everyone not seen, how has everyone not seen every second counts? I'm telling you, everyone should go to iTunes and get that and watch that. If you CrossFit, you should watch that. It's amazes me. That's not, and I'm, and I know that's self-serving for me to say that, but that movie cost seventeen thousand dollars to make, um, and it has uh, James Fitzgerald, John Wellborn, um, Josh Everett, Jason Kalipa. Um, um, God damn it! Why am I forgetting his name? What's the short guy's name? Starts with a D. Oh, oh my God! He's so awesome. He drops the bar from the overhead squat rack on him. I can't remember. Anyway. Crazy movie. It's 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 the it's the origins of CrossFit. Matt Mursky, Dave yelling at Matt because he's bouncing the bar off the ground, doing the reps. I mean, it's it's <laughs> off. Okay, the, sorry. The judge screaming standards. We, we must uphold our standards. The drugs. The judge is just screaming to all the athletes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was amazing. The chick who wins. Okay, so what were you going to ask? Name. What, what or what? Oh, it's going to just ask for some highlights. So, like, what you're talking about is is kind of. I know people don't need to know this stuff. This, these origins, but it's important for the story and it's important for their evolution. It's important for them to stay in love with the sport. We have Miko Salo spray paint on our wall, you know, and a lot of people don't know who that is on the wall. They kind of come in, they've done CrossFit for five years, but they, they don't know who Miko Salo is. They don't know this, the origins. And I just wanted to get some of your favorite times of your time with CrossFit in, in that space, you know, because you were there at the beginning when it was fun, when it was, there was no rules. Everyone was doing anything. The highlight reel. So the Savan highlight reel. Man, I don't even know where to start. So I just started touring the L1s, right? And just turning in videos. And it was basically Dave and Nicole and Greg. You know, 
they were like the three were the core team. And then it was just me filming them. Oh, and Tony budding Tony, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So they were the, they were those four were at the top and I was kind of like at that tier below them. They had been around for like one or two years before me with Greg or maybe more. And so then I come in and I start filming them. So then the media team is basically myself, Tony budding and my college friend, Carrie Peterson. Right. And we're the media team. So we just start filming in that first year. It's just basically, we're just trying to get as much content as we can up on the web. And just so people know with the web back then, people were just starting to be able to have internet streams that were fast enough to actually watch video. So that was kind of a concern, right? We're going to put this video up, but who's going to watch it? Cause are they going to, you know, is AOL going to be fast enough to, to download the video. So we just, for that year, we just started making tons and tons of videos and tons of movement content. And it was basically anything goes and they let me be pretty creative. And I did some fun stuff. Um, and there were tons of comments on the main page back then. You know, it, yeah. it wasn't uncommon for there to be 300 to 1,000 comments on the main site every single day. I think it was, this is before Facebook and Instagram. Maybe. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And the blog was the place to hang out. And then 2008, the games came. And that was amazing. That was, that was really amazing. Uh, Jason was Jason Kalipa stealing the show was amazing. He was a freak of nature. What an awesome specimen. <laughs> and Greg put his arm around him at the end and said, this is the product, right? That said it all. At the end of every second counts, he puts his arm around Jason Kalipa. He goes, okay, everyone, this is the product. And, of course, there were all the awesome old school cats like Josh Everett in there and Spieler and Pat Barber. So then 2009 rolls around and Miko Salo shows up. And for me personally, the fact that um, like people talk about fanboying, like I was really, really enamored by, by Miko. I was enamored by Josh Everett. I was enamored by Greg Amundsen. I was enamored by Nicole Carroll, Annie Sakamoto. Like I really like, I would see the videos and be dumbfounded. Brendan Gillian. Um, but uh, when I flew out to Finland and got to film with Miko and he let me into his life, like I thought um, – I was like really, really, really moved and really honored. And I never took any of that for granted. It was like, holy crap. Same thing was when I got close to filming with Katie Motter um, from, uh, she now owns Rogue Fitness. Yeah. Um, she, I remember going, I don't remember, we were like in a storage shed or somewhere, like a big, like, like, maybe it was the gym. I don't remember, but there was a basketball hoop there and she started shooting hoops. And I don't know if you know this, but she's like WNBA caliber basketball player. And she started doing all this crazy shit. And I was like blown away when I got to see just Dan Bailey and, and Graham Holmberg do a workout against each other. And they just made it up right on the spot, you know, and it was like, had like hundred pound dumbbell swings or something in it. I was blown away. Or one time we were, I think Carrie and I were filming with Graham Holmberg once. And he goes, what do you guys want to see me do? And we said, Fran back to back. And he did it. <laughs> You know, and this is like, oh. I mean, just crazy shit, right? Um, getting to know Annie was was really, really remarkable. Watching this young girl come in and, and just sort of seeing her develop and embrace the sport and really win the hearts and minds of people. Her and Miko had a really, really unique effect on the community. Yeah, I, I can't, I still... I still can't really explain it, but the two of them really had a unique uh, effect on the movie. And then, um, man, I, I don't even know how to say it, but then Dave told me, and Rob Orlando, so 
an, another freak of nature. I don't know if you remember him, but when he came on the scene, yeah, people thought he was just a and He lived in the Atlas Stones. I've got Rob all yeah. Atlas Stone shirts at home, and he was amazing. He blew my mind. Him and John Wellborn, you know, the power, the power guys, yeah. they really blew my mind. Well, another awesome—they're well. great educators for yeah. me. At a young, as a young coach, I was twenty years old. You know, to watch those guys and their knowledge base at that age, old footballers, old strong men, blew my mind. How old are you now? Thirty-two. Oh, thirty-two. You said. How old? Thirty-two. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then, and then, and then there was the then Rich Froning and the fact that I went out to. Cookville. I drove out to Cookville with my girlfriend, now my wife, um, and my dog. And he was probably, I mean, they've all been generous with their time, but Rich was over the top, him and his dad and um, all the people that surrounded Rich, his family, um, his mom, his cousins. I mean, it was like, I think I went out there two or three times and it was beyond, uh, it was familial, right? It was like, uh, Elijah Muhammad was out there training, um, and we just had a blast and we, we just made tons and tons of content. And I was, I was enamored by rich, right? He was like a filmmaker and photographer's dream. He was like the most beautiful human being I'd ever seen him in my life. I was like, Holy crap. I mean, he, I still think that he is like, he is something else. It's interesting to um, say that. And he, was, I, I and he would do anything for you. He would do it. I'd be like, it was snowing. And I would be like, Hey Rich, would you just take off your shirt and go run out in the snow? And then me and my wife would run out there with them and he'd hang out there. And he was never like, I'm cold. He would be like, we'd be out there for an hour in a snowstorm and he's just doing shit. I mean, he was awesome. I mean, he is awesome. That's he's good. Awesome. That's, that's nice. To, I've always, you know, cause obviously we're on the other side of the world and you don't get to, you meet those characters and you only see what people produce. It's, it's good to hear that, that, that sort of familiar side, how you felt instantly like that. Cause it's, you, you don't, he's an interesting character from the outside um, being, you know, similar to Matt where, because they're so, they're, they're so far above, they do, you see tend to hold things. They seems like they hold things close to themselves, whether that's their training in the earlier days for Rich and now with Matt. Um, so it's nice to hear that they, they let you in and you feel part of that. And obviously you were different because you were part of the film crew and stuff, but it still it still shows a lot about that person to, to let you in and take you in like that. A couple, I haven't seen Rich in a long time, but a couple of years ago I ran into him at some CrossFit event, and I want to say it was in Tennessee, and I was trying to give him his space, and I was feeling a little shy. Like I didn't want to go over there and just be like, oh, my God, Rich, and just fucking just grab him and hug him. And like I didn't want to – it's already like that around him, right? So I was trying to give him his space, and he comes over to me, and he puts his arm around me. He goes, are you avoiding me? And I was avoiding him. Like he nailed it. Like I was like, I don't want to like get – you know. and like I, it turned, I, he melted me like butter. He's that guy. I mean, yeah. he really is. Um, I've never, 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 ever, ever even seen a hint of any bad side to him. Amazing. And Matt and Tia? I am. I'm sorry. Matt and Tia, you've got to spend some time with, you know, these guys. I, I don't know. T- I don't know. T- I know. T- um, so the year that I filmed the behind the scenes, Tia was very, very shy. And so I did more interaction with her husband's chain. I think. Um, I think the world of Tia, I just don't know her. Her husband has been exceedingly courteous and loving to me. You know, and I, I think he's given me a hug every time I've seen him. So um, g- great people. I, I think they're great people. Uh, Matt is um, – like I text Matt this morning, 
and he texts me back and like I get I like that's enough. That's it. You know, <laughs> like I'm like, oh my god, Matt Fraser Matt texts Fraser me, but I cool, I cool. I don't let any. I don't let him know. You know what I mean? Like maybe I talk some shit to him, but really I'm like tickled inside, right? <laughs> like holy shit. And um, same with Josh. And these are all people. Like these are all. Yeah, they're. Everyone I think wants to meet Josh Bridges. Everyone can't. The most common question I get is, is Josh Bridges as cool as he seems. I cannot tell you how fucking cool that dude is. There's this. Adrian Bosman's like this too. The the head judge for the CrossFit Games. Yeah. They're almost in. They're so fucking easy to be around. My wife told me this quote today. If you offend easy, you don't forget you're also easily manipulated. Right? These fucking guys are rocks. Like. I have been, you cannot offend these guys, right? They are just so grounded in who they are. Mm. I re, and their friendship is so easy. Like I could literally not talk to Josh in three months and then just fucking watch a UFC fight and just start sending him the most negative text. I, I bet you like this guy. You don't know shit about fighting. Just, just start bombing him, right? And I could do the same thing to Adrian. They don't give a shit. <laughs> they just start bombing me back, right? So they're the kind of guys you can FaceTime. It's awesome, um, That's so good. So those are, you know, you rush me. You 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 rush me full of hormones when you say to to remember to remember the good times. Um, I traveled the world with Greg. I saw him change um, people's lives um, just right before my eyes. Uh, that was really um, amazing. He really is. People used to say when I. People used to say, "Hey, he should win the Nobel Peace. He should not the Peace Prize." Someone said he should win the Nobel Prize. I don't know which one they were talking about, and I would always think that's ridiculous. But actually, in the last two years of working at CrossFit, I started thinking, "Holy shit, this guy really should win the Nobel Prize." Especially with COVID, I don't think people. It's so sad that he he'd been preaching the cure for this for twenty years, the inoculation for it. Maybe cure is not the right yeah, word. Prevention, but, yeah, and. Yeah, and 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 instead of being embraced, he was he was vilified. It, it's 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 a lot to watch. And then there's uh, obviously Nicole Carroll, one of the greatest public speakers I've ever seen. Holy shit, does she embody the doctrine? Dave Castro, greatest leader, like like Dave for president, man. Like that's no fucking joke what that dude does. And um. He is a uh, – anyone who doesn't like him should take a really strong look at themselves and realize um, that they have four fingers pointed back at themselves. He um, is not a man full of niceties. Um, he is very stoic. Um, he, he's no different than Miko Salo, and people you know, hold Miko Salo up to, to the highest regards, and people should do the same for, for Dave. He's no joke. He's a man of the highest integrity that I've ever met in my fucking life. And so, so people get offended by that, right? He's not a liar. He doesn't have. He doesn't know how to not tell the truth. It's it's um it's fascinating. Whew. <laughs> I got you good, mate. Is, I got you is so it, good. <laughs> it's great people. I want to tell you about the new team. I don't know the new team. I don't know. I don't know. I you know I've, I, I've only spoken very briefly with Eric Rosa, um, the guy Andrew Weinstein who runs the media department now who fired me. I, I only know him briefly. Everyone has been even. I mean, he was the nicest firing ever. You know what I mean? Like, um, n- uh, I, I don't. I don't. Um, 
I, I don't know them. I can't. I can't. Yeah, that's uh, fair. That's fair. Like I've gone from being on the I've been gone from being on the field to now watching from the sidelines. I feel like I have a ton to contribute. I don't think they're ever going to bring me back, but I'm still kind of in denial. Like part of me is like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like when you're done with high school, you're like, oh, I'll go back. You no, know, you're not going back. You're <laughs> done. You're too old. Don't say you're, never. You know. Don't say never. Lots <laughs> changed in CrossFit. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's been a great ride. I'm doing great. I have the, the three plane brothers are a, um, God, it's going to be disgusting. I'm going to get blasted for this, but what a great property I own. <laughs> what a great brand they are up to they are up to some amazing shit i'm i'm honored to be their uh host for the first you know 20 years of their life mate we uh like i said at the start we're just so privileged that you managed to you know a lot of the stuff you would have done at the start was probably for free um if not 90 percent of it so we're so appreciative of you of doing that of you thank doing you that. And that's everyone, by the way, just so you know, that was everyone, oh, yeah. Dave, Tony, yeah. Nicole, everyone worked for free in the beginning and Greg was awesome. And Lauren were awesome. They gave us a ton of leeway to just be creatives. It was all and, and to work. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. That's fine. I told you, know, like I said, it's been, it's been an honor, mate. So people can find you at three playing brothers. You have a Patreon. If anyone wants to subscribe, feel free to head there. Um, if they want to find no, you. No, no, no. Everyone needs to subscribe. Everyone needs to subscribe. Not if you want to subscribe, go to Patreon, put, throw in your credit card, stop fooling around. <laughs> Get on there. Um, college isn't going to pay for itself. People, these kids need college money. Yeah. I just wanted to say thanks mate and appreciate everything you've done. And, and thanks for coming on the podcast, obviously, but more than that, just thanks for embodying the CrossFit brand and helping us all out, mate. Appreciate it so much. Thank you for taking the time to have me on your show.